All right, everybody, welcome to Sunday night service. How are we doing tonight? Blessed, amen. We are going to have a wonderful time in the house of the Lord tonight. Who had a good time with us this morning? Amen. We are saying that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because we do believe that America is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Well, we got a few announcements we'll go over here tonight and get everybody caught up on everything. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you, as you, as you already know, that there's no uh, nursery tonight and uh, no children's church. But starting on Wednesday, we'll get those open back up so all the parents and kids can say, yippee, amen. <laughs> Excited to be back. And uh, we've just been able to do some cleaning and everything else like that to get things more where they need to be. And now, um, let's see, all of you young wives and moms, are any of you here? I, I see some of you. You're here. Okay. Brother, no, 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 no. Brothers, brothers, no. Brothers, no. Okay, uh, but young wives and moms, uh, this Saturday, the 22nd at 11 a.m., all the young wives and moms are getting together at Jenny's to have a time of fellowship and, uh, and, a, and a meal without kids interrupting you and eating off of your plate. Does that sound like, you remember what that was like? Yeah. Hey, dads, we're going to have to do this too someday because I have to hide in the closet to eat a candy bar. I mean, they, they can hear. You can call their name at the top of your lungs from one room over and they can't hear you, but I could be on the other side of the house and just barely open a candy bar and there's sharks around me. You know what I mean? I don't get that, but praise God. Amen. That's what we're here for, to help bring families together. All right. Um, married tonight. Are we having, oh yeah, let's go to that. Married tonight uh, is going to be February the 4th. Uh, that's a uh, Saturday night at 630. Friday night. Oh my gosh. That's why, you know, I'm just, I'm just really choking tonight on this. <laughs> but, uh, Friday night, February the 4th at 6.30, Married's night. It's going to be an Italian theme night. There's a sign up sheet back there, but bring an Italian dish. I believe we've got childcare set up for that. So all of you married couples come on out for a couple's night out at church and it is going to be absolutely awesome. Josh and Julie are doing that, right? Yeah. So it's going to be fantastic. All right. Membership class is going to be this coming Sunday night, and uh, amen, uh, January 23rd from 4 to 7. Now, I'm going to say this is the most people I've ever had sign up for a membership class. Could you do me a favor and pass that down? Thank you. Uh, 
yeah, so we've got three pages of names there, and we're just going to keep taking more because the more the merrier. We want more people to be a part of the family of God. Amen? And so uh, that'll be this coming Sunday night from 4 to 7. There is child care. We'll have nursery open for that. And uh, and we just wanted to give you a chance to become a part of the family here and see what it's all about, all right? And then also, uh, we have a Christian concert coming up, Seventh Day Slumber. Amen. A lot of you guys are fans. They're going to be in Barstow uh, on Saturday, February 19th at 6 p.m. Uh, it's going to be at Barstow College. Uh, they're an awesome Christian rock band, and they absolutely love Jesus. They tour all over the world, and they're very successful. Um, High Desert Word Center and some other churches and businesses have joined in to put this on, so we're a part of it, and uh, we're doing our part to make it happen. But uh, you got to get the tickets online. They are free, but it's, it is limited seating and whatnot. It's at the Performing Arts Center, so you do have to get your tickets online. And I don't have the link here, but I'll put it on the social media this week for you, okay? So you can just click on the link and get your tickets, all right? Does that sound good? All right. That was one of the roughest announcements I ever did, but I brought it in for a landing. Did you see that, Melissa? You see how I did that? All right, very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes. Let's do some happy time. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. If you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Let's open our Bibles tonight to a classic giving verse, Luke 6, verse 38. Can you turn there with me? Luke 6, verse 38. We'll go in the King James. Let's go to the King James on this. Luke 6 and verse 38. And I mean, this is such a, a, a valuable verse to know for every area of our life. It doesn't only apply to our finances, but it applies to anything that we give. Luke 6, verse 38, it says, give. And what happens? And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. And so, you know, again, we love how the, the Bible, the things of God, contradicts what the world says most of the time. Because in this world, it's like, hey, give. And then you won't have any left for you. Why would you even give? But that, you're not gonna, but the Bible says no. If you give, then it will be given back to you. One of the smartest things you can do financially is be a giver. That gives God the open door to get things back into your life. I see it this way. I've heard it said this way. If you've got your fist like this, nothing's leaving, but then nothing's coming in either. If you'll open your hand to give, your hand is open to receive also when God needs to get it back to you. Amen. All right, let's stand up together tonight and we are going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings because we do everything by faith. Whatever isn't of faith is sin, the Bible tells us. So we give by faith. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. 
Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Let's sing together tonight. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my part in this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing this I plead, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's sing, This is All My Hope. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Get enough. No, I can't get enough. 
of your amazing love. And Jesus, I can't get enough. And I can't walk away. No, I can't walk away. For I have seen your face. I can't walk away. Sing, I just want to be. And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. And there is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. I can't. And I can't get enough. No, I can't get enough. Of your amazing love. Jesus, I can't get enough, and I can't walk away, no, I can't walk away, for I have seen your face. I can't walk away And I just want to be where you are And I just want to be near your heart There is nothing like your love Jesus, there is nothing like your love. I just want to be, and I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. Holy, 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 Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Sing that again. Holy, 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 Jesus, I love you. 
Jesus, I love you. I just want to be. And I just want to be where you are. And I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. Sing that again. I just want to be where you are, and I just want to be near your heart, and there is nothing like your love, Jesus, there is nothing like your love, one last time, let's sing holy, I love you, Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name, Lord. Let's just stand here for a minute and just Bask in his presence. Thank you, Father. We don't have to say anything. We just have to stand here and just receive from his love. Thank you, Jesus. just kind of called a holy hush. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just worship you tonight, Father. We just declare that you are the great one, Father. We magnify your Lord, your name, O sky. We magnify your name. We glorify your name, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that you are everything. Without you, we are nothing, but with you, we are everything, too, just, just like you are, Jesus, because we're hidden with Christ, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory for this service tonight, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you may return to your seats. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. That was good stuff. <laughs> praise the Lord. Thank you, Josh. That was good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, I hope you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you brought your Bible, because uh, <clears throat> some of you have heard this message bef- before, similar to it, and uh, some of you maybe have never heard this message before, but I know that we have a lot of new people here, and I really, I have no idea where you've come from. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I really don't, I don't know what churches you came from. Some of you came from other churches, I have no idea what churches you came from, and uh, stuff like that, so... 
You know, I'm sure that some of you have never heard this message. The title is Understanding God's Plan for the Local Church and How to Cooperate with It. And How to Cooperate with It. So, anyway, God has a plan and it's His local church. So, in order to understand God's plan for the local church, you must first understand His ways. Okay? So, number one, God calls families. Okay, so how do we know that God calls families? Because the Bible tells us so, amen? <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, read to you out of, you look at Numbers 18, 1 through 8. I'm, I'm in the Living Bible, not the New Living Translation. I'm in the very old Living Bible. That's what I'm going to read this out of to you tonight. It's Numbers 18, 1 through 10. And this is where the Lord is calling a family to be over the churches. Amen. So Numbers 18, verse 1 in the Living Bible says, The Lord now spoke to Aaron, You and your sons and your family are responsible for any desecration of the sanctuary, he said, and will be held liable for any impropriety in your priestly work. Your kinsmen, the tribe of Levi, are your assistants, but only you and your sons may perform the sacred duties in the tabernacle itself. The Levites must be careful not to touch any of the sacred articles on the altar, lest I destroy both them and you. No one who is not a member of the tribe of Levi shall assist you in any way. Remember, only the priests are to perform the sacred duties within the sanctuary and at the altar. If you follow these instructions, the wrath of God will never again fall upon any of the people of Israel for violating this law. I say it again. Your kinsmen, the Levites, are your assistants for the work of the tabernacle. They are a gift to you from the Lord. But you and your sons, the priests, shall personally handle all the sacred service, including the altar and all that was in, that is within the veil, for the priesthood is your special gift of service. Anyone who attempts to perform these duties shall die. That's kind of strong. Hallelujah. Um, this has little. Okay. The Lord gave these further instructions to Aaron. I have given the priest all the gifts which are brought to the Lord by the people of these offerings presented to the Lord by the gesture of waving them before the altar. The altar belong to you and to your sons by permanent law. Anyway, it kind of ends there. But the Lord calls the Lord calls families many times. Now, if you've not noticed before, in this church it's the Samples family, you know. And sometimes people say, "Well, it's just your family." Well, we have lots of people that work on a, under us. We have a staff of like 16 other people, usually department heads, and we meet with them twice a month. And we go over their areas of ministry, and they talk to us about what's going on in their area of ministry and what they need in their area of ministry. And then they, in turn, you work under them. Like, for example, like Leah Mott is our children's church director. Well, she has lots of workers that work under her. They report to her. She reports to us. But um, in, at High Desert Word Center, it's like the, the Samples family. But back in the day, it was there, and it was the Levites. So it's not unusual for God to call families to be heads over a church. Now, you don't hear about that a lot of times, but that doesn't mean it's not God's will. Think about it. Are you all familiar with Kenneth Copeland Ministries? Are you all familiar with that? All of his children serve in the ministry with him in different capacities, and they're all supported by that ministry. They work for 
Kenneth Copeland Ministries, and they all work for him. Dr. Barclay's family, you know, many of you don't even know Dr. Barclay yet, but um, his entire family works with him in the ministry. They're supported by the ministry. At High Desert Word Center, it's the Samples family. Amen. So do you understand that? It's not that we're weird. It's not that we're selfish. It's not that we're, you know, it's God's plan. Say it's God's plan. It's God's plan. And so we're flowing along with God's plan. You know, I call that success in the fact that we've raised up people that can be ministers. You know what I'm saying? Not all of our kids are. You know, uh, we've got eight kids together. Two, He had two, I had two, and we had four. But, you know, I told my kids when they were growing up, you know, I'm not calling you to the ministry. Only God can call you to the ministry. But whatever you are called to in life, you be the best Christian known in the area for what you do. You be the, whether you're, a, whether, well, I've got two boys that started out being farmers, you know, and I said, you know, you're not called, you know, Ben, my son Ben, he's a, he works in his church, but he's not, he doesn't get paid by the church, but he works within his church. But both of them, I told them both, I said, you know, you're not called in, to the ministry per se, you know, like Josh, David, you know, Pastor and I are, but, you know, as a farmer, you have the best reputation in your town as being the farmer that has the most integrity, the most honest farmer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is you're called to do, you be the one that shines above all else in the Jesus that's in you. See what I'm saying? So I'm not the one that calls. God's the one that calls and sets alongside. We have pastor friends who are the same as us, families that work together in the ministry. You know, they do that. We also have other pastor friends whose children... When they became of age, when they became 18 years old, they never darkened the door of a church again. I know one, one pastor in particular in Indiana, they've got four kids and none of them go to church anymore. And they're, you know, they're, that pastor's our age, so their kids are like 30s, 40s. And that, to me, that's a shame. Something went wrong in the rearing of those children that they never darkened the, the, the door of a church again. What happened? You know, it's not my business to know what happened, but it's just it never should have happened. Amen. Number two, that was number one, God calls families. I showed you that. Number two, the Lord has set up his perfect plan for the local church. See, the church isn't man's idea. Man didn't one day think, oh, gee, we ought to have a thing called church. No, church is God's plan. Amen. So we're following God's plan. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to talk about God's plan for the local church. Somebody say, oh boy. Yeah, act a little bit excited. We're going to learn some stuff. We're going to learn some stuff tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he said, when he, meaning Jesus, ascended up on high, when he rose from the dead, when he led captivity captive, he took authority over Satan, and gave gifts unto men. When Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven, he gave gifts to men. Now, isn't that interesting? You think, well, what kind of gifts did he give to men? Verse 9, now he that ascended... You know, he went to heaven. But, but it is also that he descended first into the lower part of the earth. Did you know that Jesus went to hell for you? Jesus went to hell for you so you don't have to go to hell. 
Amen. Verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. He did a complete work for us because he loved us. Amen. Verse 11. These are the gifts that he gave to us which operate within the local church. He gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets. He gave some to be evangelists. And he gave some to be pastors. And he gave some to be teachers. Now this is called the five-fold ministry. I was talking to a man, oh, I don't know, last year. Grew up and it still goes to a, a one of the denominational churches that is similar to ours. It's a full gospel church. He comes up to me one day and he says, uh, what's the five-fold ministry? He had never heard of it in his church. How many of you have never heard that term, five-fold ministry, never heard it? You've all heard that term. Okay, five-fold ministry. Okay, this, the word five-fold ministry isn't in the Bible. The word Bible isn't in the Bible. The word rapture isn't in the Bible. It's a term that man gave to identify these gifts. It's called the five-fold ministry. Okay. You know, God, Jesus isn't stupid. One of, one of the things is that uh, Jesus operated in all of these five gifts when he was on earth. He was an apostle, he was a prophet, he was an evangelist, he was a pastor, he was a teacher. He operated in all five. So therefore, they're his to give to the body of Christ as he sees fit. Now, precious few people are called to this. Okay. In this church, you've got, you know, four or five pastors, give or take. But most of you aren't pastors. Most of you aren't apostles. We don't have any apostles in here. Most of you aren't prophets. We don't have any prophets in here. You know what I'm saying? And on and on down the list I go. I wish we had some more evangelists. The other thing, close to an evangelist around here is Maxine Reyes, who talks to everything that moves and doesn't move about Jesus. Amen. She's awesome. But Jesus had to have a plan. He's organized. He has a plan. He has a purpose. So he established the local church. And he gave gifts, fivefold ministry, unto men, unto the local churches. Okay? Let's go on and read a little bit about this. Let's go on down here. Why did Jesus do that? Look at verse 12. The reason Jesus gave us the fivefold ministry is this. For the perfecting or the maturing of the saints or the people in, you know, people in the church. That's number one. Number two is for the work of the ministry. How do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. That's how you spell ministry. W-O-R-K. See, everybody who works in the ministry knows that word. <laughs> they know that that's how you spell it because they are working. Also, number three, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. 13, how long is he going to do this? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now listen to this, 14. Here's another why. That we be henceforth no more children. The Lord wants us to grow up. You know, when we become, when we, I mean, gosh, we've got kids in children's church that are more mature than some 70, 80-year-old Christians I know that have been Christians all their life. Why? Because of the Word of God in them. So, I mean, it doesn't go by your biological age. It goes by what you're learning spiritually. 
the word that you learn, the word that you know. So he doesn't want his children. He doesn't want us tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. You know, there's stupid stuff that goes around and it pulls people off the things of God because they get all caught up in the error that can fly through the body of Christ and sometimes it deceives many, many people. The last one that flew around was the grace movement. Before that, it was the gold dust and feathers thing. God showed up if there was gold hanging on you and if there was you know, feathers hanging on you, that's not so. Who made that up? Somebody. But people fall for it. You know why? Because they're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. They don't know the word. They aren't, aren't taught the word. They aren't sitting under the word. They go off into la-la land and pick up their own little doctrines. The last one was the grace movement where, okay, you get born again, you say the prayer of salvation, and you can sin as much as you want to because Jesus already forgave you. We had a church like that in town. It didn't last long. Um, I think the pastor ended up drinking all the time. and I mean, it was just it was a mess. You know, when you, when you become a born-again believer, we, 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 we strive to live a holy life. We, tr- we strive to lend, uh, live sin-free, right? You know, sometimes we slip up, you know. So while, while there's two kinds of sins, I tell you this all the time, there's sins of commission, stuff you do, but there's also sins of omission, like the Lord's dealing with you to do something and you're not doing it. That's a sin as well. But he, he, he wants us to grow up, not to be yanked here and there by every, every, every new thought that comes down the pike, in the Christian world even. You've got to be anchored in the word. You've got to know when something that stupid comes flying through that you're so, you're so anchored in this word, you think, well, that doesn't line up with the word, tilt, 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 you know. Boy, a few years ago when we first came here, oh, good Lord, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? There was a quote-unquote Holy Ghost move down in Florida. And, uh, you know, when we came here, I mean, it was the pastor and I, we didn't know any, anybody. And I think the only people that were here then was Cindy Groh and Robert and Susan, uh, Donna Winston, the Copies, Chuck. You know, that was about it. You know, some other folks that were here. Well, they kept telling us, oh, you need to hear this guy. You know, oh, you need to hear him. Oh, everything, oh, so wonderful things are happening down there in Florida. Some of them even went on a plane and went down there. And Pastor and I turned on the, the wherever it was, internet thing to watch him one day and we we heard like this guy say one sentence and we just about threw up in the spirit you know you ought to be able to just reject stuff that you know isn't god you know what i mean but if you're falling for everything that comes down the pike man you got problems and everything that you listen to on christian television isn't god everything that you listen to on the internet definitely isn't god Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy that we were, I was talking about a minute ago that was down the floor. He turned out to be a homosexual, an adulterer, a bunch of other things. He was bad, you know. Okay, he wasn't a man of God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and thousands of people followed him. Why? Because they weren't anchored in this. You know, they didn't know the word. If they'd have known the word, they wouldn't have fallen for that stuff. You know, the, 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 Jesus said, "If it were so, even the very elect." could be deceived in the last days. Well, I purpose I'm not going to be deceived. I'm not going to get off in la-la land. 
then it's our purpose as pastors that none of you get off in la-la land. And every once in a while, I have to warn one of you. You'll put something on the Facebook or something with some guy that we know is absolutely out to lunch somewhere, and we have to say, look, that guy's an error, you know, and you don't have a clue. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Okay, back to verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, fivefold, speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, making increase of the body. We want the body of Christ to grow. We don't want people going to hell, right? We want people to go to heaven. So the increase of the body of Christ unto the edifying, the building up of itself in love. That's the purpose of the fivefold ministry, okay? Hebrews 10.25, you don't have to go there, just write it down, talks about not forsaking yourself together as is the habit of some. That's why we're here, you know? And that's why you're supposed to come into the house of the Lord and not forsake the assembling of yourselves together because you, I got a bottle of water here somewhere, we can tell a difference between those people who come to church at every service and those people who don't. You know what happens with the people who are here all the time? They live a victorious Christian life. <coughs> Excuse me. Ugh. Stuff may come your way, but you know how to get it off. Amen. Why? Because you know the word. Okay. Five-fold ministry. Okay. So I'm going to talk about this again. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we already talked about why God put them in the body of Christ, right? Okay. So what is an apostle, first of all? Well, an apostle is a sent one. That's one of the words for an apostle, a sent one. Um, sent out from the local church. Even an apostle needs to have a local church. Everybody has to, you know, everybody has to have a local church. Everybody has to have a pastor. We have a pastor. Dr. Barclay's our pastor. A missionary is a sent one. You know, like, a, like look at Liz and Dana. Look at, look at Ron and Annette Thiesing, you know. They're not going on just little tiny mission, missions trips, you know, for a week to build a church building somewhere. They're living it. You know, they're on the mission field. You know, I told you, like, Ron Thiesing's a third-generation missionary. Can you believe that? That just amazes me. Started out as Bible Wycliffe translators, three generations of a family, all living outside the United States. Ron and Annette, their kids grew up in Peru. Isn't that amazing? How would you like for your kids to grow up in Peru? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Or any other place. But those are sent ones. Um, another uh, apostles are those who start churches and then move on and turn them over to other people. You know, that happens a lot overseas. Or traveling ministers. Okay, what is a prophet? Okay, I'll tell you what a prophet is not. Okay, because also sometimes... Like the body of Christ takes a move, they'll take something that they'll call a movement, they'll call it the prophetic movement. But what happens a lot of times in a prophetic movement is you've got people within the congregation who are not nothing more than busybodies who are going around prophesying to you, quote unquote, not prophesying. Oh, the Lord told me this about you. 
complete and total error, but they never do it in front of the pastors. Why? Because they know they're in error. They know if they're caught, they're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, Jesus called them false prophets in sheep's clothing. In other words, they mingle among the sheep. But, you know, you know, I had somebody come, told me the other day, I thought, good Lord. Uh, you know, somebody came up to them and said, oh, the Lord told me to tell you this about yourself. Well, mess that person up for several months. Well, it wasn't true. You know, you know. Look at look at First Corinthians fourteen two, just for the fun of it. Let me see. I'm going to keep my place here. First Corinthians fourteen two. Okay, no, I mean, I mean three. It should be verse three. First Corinthians fourteen three says this. But he that prophesies speaks unto men for the purpose of edification to build them up, for exhortation to exhort them and to comfort them. That's what, that's what prophecy is supposed to do. Pro, the prof, the quote-unquote prophecy that was given to this person did not build them up, did not edify them, did not comfort them. They were messed up for several months. And see, that really ticks us pastors off, <laughs> to, to put it mildly. Because we don't want people messing with the sheep. Our job is to protect the sheep, to feed the sheep, you know, to make sure you're all safe, to make sure that nobody's messing with your wool, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we weren't too happy about that. So prophet, the gift of prophecy, the, the prophet, you know, I'm not, there's a difference between prophet and prophecy, okay? A, the, the fivefold gift of prophet is rare. I know too. Brother Copeland and Brother Do Dr. Barkley, those are the two prophets that I know. Now, when the election was going on, you know, the presidential election, if you were watching Christian television, there were a whole bunch of quote-unquote prophets on there that were prophesying, well, by this date, President Trump's going to be in office. They'd, they'd prophesy 20 dates. Well, it'd come, 20 days, it'd come and go. 30 days, it'd come and go. Well, see what, what that was? That was false prophecy. They, that's false. It tells us that we are supposed to judge those who call themselves prophets and if they're, what they're saying does not come to pass, that means that they are false prophets. So I was watching these people to see what was, you know, what's going to happen here. And I thought, man, this is, this is bad stuff. You know, so I turned it off. I quit watching it because I found out that they don't even, they're, not, they're not talking by the Spirit of God. I don't know where they were getting this stuff from, but it, but it turned out that wasn't the Lord. Because if it's the Lord, it'll come to pass, okay? So... Anyway, we have to be very, very cautious about who, who goes around calling themselves a prophet. You've got to really guard yourself, okay? Then another fivefold gift, so we've got the apostle, we've got the prophet, now we've got the evangelist. Okay, every time I think of the fivefold gift of evangelist, who do you, who do you think I think of? Well, no, I'm talking... Billy Graham perfect example of a five-fold uh, uh, five ministry gift. Have any of you ever seen him on TV or anything? You ought to do yourself a favor because they'll play his stuff. Watch on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube Billy Graham. I mean to tell you what, he spoke before thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And every time an evangelist speaks, 
It's getting people, giving people the gospel of Jesus Christ, people getting born again. He, he, was, he was, Billy Graham was invited into the White House with every president, every single president, until Barack Obama. Barack Obama didn't have him in. <laughs> I'm, I'm restraining myself, okay? So, you know, where are the Billy Grahams of today? Think about, where are they? You know, if you listen to Franklin Graham, his son, which is a blessing, you watch him. His father did the same thing. If he's, if he's on TV, if Franklin Graham is invited to be on a program, they'll ask him a question or something. He may answer the question. He goes right into, right into preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, right into it. You know, so yes, I would say that, you know, Franklin Graham's also an evangelist. But they're very hard to come by. You know, uh, you know, these two over here are talking about Brian Besser. You know, how many of you knew Brian Besser? But he's not, he's not even in the ministry anymore, which breaks my heart. Because that guy had a gift for telling people about Jesus. My gosh, he was just awesome. So anyway, so that's neither here nor there. But uh, look, at, look at Matthew 9. You know, many of you know that uh, I have two prayer groups. They're called Warfare Prayer. One meets Tuesday morning at 9.30 in the office, and the other one's 5 o'clock Sunday night meets in the kitchen. Sometimes we do exactly what this verse says. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then said he unto his disciples, Jesus, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he sent forth laborers into his harvest field. So sometimes at warfare prayer, at warfare prayer, we pray about what's on your heart, Father. We don't pray for Aunt Susie or Uncle Jim or any of that kind of stuff. We go to the Father, Lord, what's on your heart? And we pray for one thing. Sometimes this is on his heart. Pray for laborers to get out into my harvest field because I want people born again. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what's on his heart, you know. So sometimes we sp we'll spend the whole time in prayer. Lord, send out laborers. Raise up. Where's the gift of the evangelist, Father? Lord, raise up gifts of the evangelist, five-fold evangelist. Raise them up, Lord, and we'll pray and we'll intercede for them. Amen. Oh, that just burns within me. I love that. Okay, so we've got apostles. We've got the prophet. We've got the evangelist. Now we've got the pastor. And you're all familiar with the pastor because you sit in church under, you know, pastors you know, all the time. A pastor stays with the flock. Apostle doesn't stay with the flock. Prophet doesn't stay with the flock. An evangelist doesn't stay with the flock. Pastor stays with the flock. You know, we're the dads and the moms. We stay with the flock. And we, we tend to the sheep. We nurture them. You know, we feed you the word. We pray for you. We lead you and guide you in the right direction. You know, that kind of stuff. We stay here. Isn't that cool? What? Weddings, funerals, all that kind of stuff we do. Amen. Now, this is, this is something about pastors that you might not know. Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost give to the pastor of the local church the vision that he wants for that local church, which he wants to accomplish. 
He gives it to the pastor. He doesn't give it to you. That's the truth. You don't get it. I mean, you get it when you hear it from the pastors, then you hook up with it. But the Lord doesn't give the vision to the sheep. He gives it to the pastor. Why? Because the pastor is one of the fivefold ministry gifts from the Holy Ghost, from Jesus, actually from Jesus, to the body of Christ. So at no point can you think that you know more about the church than the pastors do. Because if you think you do, you're out of order and you're rebellious. Like, if, like, like you know, Pastor Dave, pastors Dave and Katie, they basically run the church. Now, Pastor and I are overseers. Well, we didn't used to be. We used to be do what they do, but now we oversee the whole thing. And at the women's meeting the other night, I said, man, I don't know even what to call our title anymore. And she says, boss. <laughs> so anyway, we're still around here, okay? But, uh, uh, heck, I lost my train of thought. do 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 So, so the Lord gives a vision to, you know, now Pastor Dave, which is actually he's picking up on our vision. We've had our mission statement forever. You know, he's, 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 he's uh, expounding more on the mission statement, that, you know, stuff like that. So he's doing all that. But if, if the Holy Ghost gives instructions to them about anything going on in the church and you don't like it, shut up. It's not your place to get on the phone and call everybody in the church and say, I don't like what the pastor just did. Do you hear what they just did? That makes me mad. Shut up. It wasn't your decision. God didn't tell you about the decision that they made. You are not responsible for the flock. Pastors are responsible for the flock. Amen? It's kind of like the chicken in the congregation of the barnyard telling the farmer what to do. You got that picture? Keep it. What'd you say? The pastor said that chicken's going to end up on the table for dinner. Okay. That, that is called, you know, what I just uh, uh, gave you an example of is so, called sowing discord among the brethren. And sowing discord among the brother, brethren is listed in Proverbs 6. 16 through 19 is one of the things the Lord hates. People that sow discord among the brother. Amen. So watch your step. Hallelujah. Look at James 3 1. Now, this, this, this little passage here makes pastors tremble in their boots. <laughs> it says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, pastors get judged harsher than what sheep do. We're supposed to be accountable for more. We are accountable for more, but we're supposed to, you know, 
We're supposed to be accountable for more. And we get judged harsher by the Lord than a, than a sheep member does. So, you know, we have to watch our steps as pastors that we stay on the straight and narrow. You know what I mean? We've got to make sure that, that we're on the straight and narrow, that we never compromise. In this church, you'll never see us compromising because we know what the Word says, and it's not worth it to compromise the Word for any reason whatsoever. So that's why we just stay strong in the Word and make sure that that's what you guys get, okay? Okay, let's see. Also, you know, you need to have an attitude about, about the pastors, and, and your attitude needs to be a nice one. <laughs> you need to have a nice attitude about your pastors. Okay, let me just say this. You know, I said a minute ago that the Lord gives to the pastors the vision for the church. Okay, now, see, we've had people in the past will come up to us and, think, and say things to us like, you know, I think we need to have like a food ministry here and maybe a clothing ministry, you know. And we, you know what we tell them? No, we're not called to that. If you want to be a part of a, 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 a food ministry and a clothing ministry, go down to New Life. That's their vision. That's their calling. That's what that pastor is called to do. So you just go over there because we're not doing that here. We're called to equip the saints, the families, for victorious Christian living. That's our job. But we know the value of feeding the poor and clothing the poor. So High Desert Word Center supports financially uh, new life in town so that they can do the job that God called them to do. Amen? Do you see? Do you understand that? Okay? If this church doesn't hold the vision, you know, if you can't hook up with the vision of this church, then find the church that where you can hook up with that vision of that church because you'll flow better over there. You know what I'm saying? But if, you, if, you, but if you're in agreement with the vision of High Desert Word Center, then, man, hook up, let's go, you know. Let's make a, let's make a, a big, big thing out of this, okay? Okay, so you need to have an attitude, and you always need to remember, not because I'm a pastor. If I weren't a pastor, I'd say the same thing. You need to, to honor the pastors as a gift from Jesus. We just read in Ephesians chapter 4, pastors are a fivefold ministry gift to the local church. We're a gift. doesn't mean we're better than you. doesn't mean that we're called to this end of the ministry. See what I'm saying? And, you know, you need to honor and respect and receive the gift. You know, if you've never said, Lord, I receive them as my pastors, you ought to do that. You know, Father, they're my pastors. I receive them as my pastors, you know. Um, that's one reason at High Desert Word Center why even something simple, like when we have our, our family dinners, you know, our family get-togethers, our pitching dinners, pastors are supposed to go first. Why? Because you're honoring the pastors by allowing them to go first instead of shoving in line ahead of, ahead of us. Is it because, again, is it, is it, again, is it because we're better than you? No. But God has equipped us with a, a gift. It's from Jesus, and it serves you better if you respect and honor that gift. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Okay, okay. Let's see what else we've got here. Okay, let's see. Um, I grew up in denominational churches um, before I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I love my dad. My dad was an army sergeant. He was a career army man. 
and we moved every three years, which I absolutely hated and abhorred. I thought it was so cool to be like you guys. You were born, raised in Barstow. You know everybody. Everybody knows you. You know, I know nobody I ever grew up with. So I never saw him again, you know. And even after my dad got out of the Army, every three years he got an itch to move. So the last time when I was living in Indiana, and I was 18 years old, just graduated from high school, my dad wanted to move to Australia. And I said, I am, I'm not going. <laughs> you know, so I, just, I said, I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere else with you. Anyway, my dad, my mom, and two of my sisters moved to Australia, so, but they came back in about six months because they missed my brother and I, but, you know, that's nice. But I, you know, you know, phew. but anyway, when we went to a new town every three years, my dad would find a church for us, and that's where we would go. Most of the time, it was a Baptist church, and, and the last time was a Methodist church. So, um, he didn't go all the time, but he would take us. And then, and then even when we got in high school, you know, my siblings didn't go all the time, but I was there every, every week. I mean, I was there every Sunday. Every Sunday I was at this Methodist church, okay? So in, the, in, the, in that particular denomination, every three years in that denomination, they moved the pastors too. So like a pastor is like a dad of the church. So every, year, every three years that particular dast, uh, denomination got a new dad over the church. Boy, talk about confusing, you know? And then a lot of the other churches, they have a board with the sheep when the, when the congregation members are on the board of the church. And so what happens? They have the, sh the congregation members, however many there are, that are on the board of the church, and they meet with the pastor, and the, the board of the church tells the pastor what to do. Is that right? No. That's way out of order. Because... God gives the vision to who? To, to the pastor. So why have you got congregation members telling the pastor what to do? And if the and some of these denominations, if the pastor doesn't do what they want him to do, they fire him. But around here, that doesn't happen. If you don't like it here, you just leave. But we're not going anywhere. Amen? Okay, now, we don't have sheep on our board at High Desert Word Center. Now, maybe the church where you came from, you had congregation members that were on your board. We don't. You know why we don't? You know who we have on our board? Two other pastors. One you know very well, Kenny Gatlin. The other you know very well, David, Pastor David Flores. Great men of God. Same stream as us. Same word faith people. That, those are the people that are on our board. So that when we meet with them, usually it's once a year, maybe more, the board sets the salary of the pastor, and if we've got any major changes or anything we have to do, it goes by that board. But those pastors understand the vision and the calling of the local church and what the job of the local pastor is. So when we go before that board, they are in full and total cooperation with the vision for High Desert Word Center, although it may not be their vision. They understand our vision. Is that a shock to your system? I think it's pretty cool. You know, I think it's God's way of doing things. Okay. Okay, so we've got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. Fifth gift is teachers. Okay. Pastor Samples is a perfect example of a pastor te slash teacher. Some of them are, will be pastor slash evangelist. Pastor Dave, 
What are you, what are you, pastor what? Okay, so he's more evangelistic, pastor evangelistic, okay. Yeah, you are, aren't you? Yeah, that, yeah, see? It doesn't mean he can't, well, no, it's not whatever I say, it's whatever God says. Yeah, okay. But, um, you know, he d- delivers a great word, you know. What'd you say, Dave? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, yeah, he, he's a great Bible teacher as well. But, you know, there was a, what was the name of that pastor in Ohio? He was from Columbus, uh, Rod Parsley. I don't know if anybody out here is familiar with Rod Parsley or not. You familiar with Rod Parsley? Huh? Yeah, he's from Columbus, Ohio. He's a pastor um, evangelist. My gosh, is that guy evangelical. Woo! He's very evangelical. But anyway, that's so much for that. Anyway, so a five-fold teacher is not a Sunday school teacher. Okay? Not a Sunday school teacher. A five-fold teacher delivers sound doctrine, biblical truths. At a word church, the Bible teacher will tell you how to live a victorious Christian life. Amen? Through the word. Okay. All right. Dr. Barclay, now listen to what he is. He's a pastor. He's a teacher, he's a prophet, he's an apostle. Think about it, those of you know, those of you who know him, it's true. Okay, Jesus, I already told you this, enfolded all of the fivefold ministry. He had all that. He had all that. So all those gifts are his. So he gives them out. The gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts, come from Jesus. He gives them out. Okay. Now listen to this. So, so. So you say, uh, well, I'm not called the fivefold ministry. That's okay. Say that's okay. So you got You do have a job to do, though. You do have a calling. You are called part of the ministry of helps. You're either fivefold or your ministry of helps. You're one or the other. Part, your part of the ministry of helps is to help the pastors complete the vision for the church. Amen? So we've got tons of ministry of helps areas here. We've got ushers, greeters, coffee bar workers, bookstore workers, nursery workers, children's church workers. We've got uh, youth ministry. We've got praise and worship ministry. What else have we got? Media, sound, janitorial, custodial, what? Filming. Yeah, we got filming now. Thanks, Susan. Um, yeah, look at all these people. We're reaching high out there in television land or whatever. Um, <laughs> lawn and garden, maintenance. You know, yeah, the pastors are part of the fivefold. The other ones are ministry of helps. There ought to be something you can do. You know, we even used artist. Artist. Think of uh, Chloe Brown. Good Lord, the stuff she does. She's extremely creative, and she does all kinds of stuff. Behind the scenes, you never know it, unless we tell you, well, Chloe did that. Yeah, Robin, you know, that used to come here, uh, Katie Brady's mother, she was a professional artist. She made her living illustrating children's school books. 
if you would go into Michael's, you would see some of her clings. Those are things that, you know, like you buy these little cling things, you know. That was her artwork. Professional artist. Amen. Julie. Decorating. You know what I mean? There's all there's something that you can do, you know? And you need to find out what that something is and then make yourself available to Desiree's over Ministry of Helps and, and, and Pastor Katie up here. They work together, you know, and they'll help you. They'll train you. They'll put you in a position and stuff like that. But if you're sitting out there in the congregation doing nothing, you know what's happening to you? You're getting spiritually fat and bloated. You need to get some ministry of help, exercise, and do something so that, thank you, Desiree, preach it, girl, or me. <coughs> you need to, <coughs> I know, I know, we get happy about this subject, don't we? We love ministry helps. You know, back, back in Indiana, we had our uh, ministry helps that I think that I made up all the things you could do. One of them was shoveling snow. So just for the fun of it, when I came out here and I did the ministry helps thing, you know, I put shoveling snow. What? Yeah, you can you can shovel sand, you know, something like that. But anyway, ministry helps, okay? Let's see what else I've got down here. Okay. Anyway, we had one lady, we had two ladies that used to make cards. You know, they used to make the birthday cards and the anniversary cards for us that I would mail out. Beautiful cards, you know, they, they, you know, one of them moved away, and the other one doesn't do that anymore. But, you know, can you think of something like that? Simple. Well, hospitality is another one, you know, hospitality. There's all kinds of things that, you know, you can use your gifts for. And I'll tell you something. When you start to do something for the Lord in the local church, it gives you joy. It gives you purpose. It gives you happiness to be able to do something. I'm sitting here looking at you, Michael Cabrera. Michael Cabrera is a craftsman. Michael Cabrera made the pastor's desk. You see, it's lovely. He made that. He made the information booth. He put together all that up there. That's Julie's vision. And I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, we brought in skids from everywhere. And we had a team that took the boards off the skids. And then we had them them the, the skids on different different tables that's why some of the tables are stained <laughs> they're not supposed to be stained but they got stained where we stained the boards different colors and when it came time to put to put the boards up there julie sat stood here and told him where to put the different colors now not only that but that that what do you call that thing the wall okay that's profound. We built the wall. Okay. Okay. Now that behind all those boards is actually a work of art done by none other than Chuck Coleman. So he's a fabricator. That thing opens in the middle, so you can't even tell where it opens because it's put together so nicely. It opens up, and there's a baptismal tank in back of it. And then we have... we pull it apart when we do the water baptism. Now, isn't that something? Yeah, you know the cross that's lit up on top of the roof? Fabricator Chuck Coleman did that. Before, that was up there before we even got here. 
long time ago. See the giftings that the Lord uses in the church? See, you've got something. God gave you something. You know, you can use it within the local church. And then that's where, the, and it talks about the bottom of Ephesians 6, every joint supplies, every part does its part so that nothing's missing, so that the church can minister to those within the church and those without the church and fulfill the vision that the Lord has called us to. What? Well, I talked about ushers. I talked about ushers. What do you want me to say about Robert and Susan? I know it. Oh, Pastor missed you the last two weeks. You weren't here. Yeah, they've been here forever. You, you guys know Donna Winston? She was married in this church. That's how long she's been here. That's a, that, so that she was here before you were here, huh? Oh, she did? And the Copies, you know, Dennis and Janelle Copy? They were here when this place founded. It was in a chicken coop in Newberry. Bill Long. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so have you learned anything about the fivefold ministry? Did you learn anything about that? Oh, I'm supposed to show you books. Wait a minute. Where are they? Okay, we are missing a whole lot of books in the bookstore because we need to make a book order. But... This book here is by Dr. Barclay called Building a Supernatural Church. Building a Supernatural Church. This is uh, Brother Haight, one of his books called He Gave Gifts Unto Men. And he, what? Oh, Pastor said this book helped us to pioneer our first church in Indiana. Pioneer means you start from scratch. You aren't a church plant. You just do it, you know. Anyway, it has a lot about the fivefold in here. And then there's other books that... You know, we will supply the bookstore really soon with, with all of Brother Hagen's books because there's a bunch of them and we're sorely missing them. Okay, now I'm going to switch gears. Are you ready for this? Okay, you okay? You ready? Is everybody all right? Will you give me five more minutes? Who will give me five more minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. <laughs> That's an old joke. <laughs> First time I've ever been able to use it. Okay. Okay, <laughs> okay. How many of you were here Wednesday night? Raise your hand. I want to see if you were in the congregation Wednesday night. Okay. How many of you saw Wednesday night service online? Raise your hand. Okay. Wednesday night, a most marvelous thing happened. If you haven't even seen it online, you need to go to Wednesday night service. You need to watch it. This happened at the very, very end. The Holy Ghost showed up. And we haven't seen the Holy Ghost move since. When, when did we have those Holy Ghost meetings in Indiana? 94, 95, give or take. 1994, 1995. There was a Holy Ghost wave that swept through the nation. He was in our church in Indiana. We had 63 nonstop days of church, Holy Ghost meetings. We had a guy that flew in from Thailand. We, people, we had people that came, flew in from Oklahoma because people started hearing about this little bitty church that was the storefront, Jesse. Jesse, that was the storefront, of course, from the courthouse in Martinsville that Pastor Dave showed you. That's where that happened, that tiny little building, okay? 63 days of Holy Ghost meetings. Wednesday night attendance was 28 people in-house. Okay, so... Pastor was preaching his nice sermon, you know, it was a great sermon. 
He gets to the end and he starts talking about the 63 days of Holy Ghost meetings in Indiana. And all of a sudden he couldn't talk anymore. He wasn't sick. The Lord shut his mouth. He couldn't talk. This has happened in Indiana before. Couldn't talk. (laughs) He was having trouble standing because the power of God was hitting him. The glory cloud came in. Sometimes you can see it, sometimes you can't. But pastor called for people to come up up front, you know, that wanted prayed for, and he had them come. Pastor knew where the glory cloud was. It was kind of about to here, back there. And I don't know, maybe five people came up. Three or four people got slain in the Holy Ghost. Jamie got holy laughter. She started laughing like crazy. And she said, you know, that was the Lord laughing through me. And I thought, yeah, he's putting, you know. Well, that used to happen in Indiana too. But, but this was really cool because we've been praying for a major move of God forever. And I thought, Lord, are you starting it? You know, are you going to start in with this? So I thought that um, I'm going to give you some tips on how to cooperate with prayer lines and when the Holy Ghost begins to move like he did Wednesday night. Now, some of this has to do with just a regular service, cooperating with when, when we're doing our altar calls. And some of it has to do with Holy Ghost meetings. Because in Indiana, we had people that were plastered up against the wall, couldn't move. Yeah, we would go, we would go home for the night, and there were people still slain in the spirit all over the floor. Some people still laughing. They'd have to carry them out. They were drunk. They're not as drunk as you suppose on the day of Pentecost. Same dip. Yep, they were just laying there. Sometimes people would have to drive them home. They were so drunk in the spirit. So, you know, it's hard telling what, you know, this is what the Holy Ghost did back then. He could do something completely different now. You know, I'm not the Holy Ghost. I don't know. Okay, now this is just some of the stuff. Altar calls are one of the most reverent parts of any service. When you are being prayed for, when you come up for prayer, it's your job to receive. Don't pray in tongues. When you're being prayed for, don't pray. You know why? Because you're dishing out when you're praying. Your job's not to dish out. Your job is to receive. Yeah. So you'll you'll be transmitted too from the pastors, whoever's praying for you. And your job is to receive what they're imparting to you, praying for you about. Okay? You know, raise your hands. Just be in a form of, of receiving. Okay? Do not ever touch the person that is being prayed for if you came up with somebody, especially if they're getting prayed for for healing. Because this is what happens. Okay, so here's the pastor, here's the person being prayed for, and then you're in back of them putting your hand on them. The anointing is flowing from the pastor. It's supposed to go into the person being prayed for, but because you've got your hand on them from the back, it's flowing through them and into you. It's like an electrical current. So don't touch somebody when they're being prayed for. Even the, You'll notice even the ushers don't touch anybody. They're not supposed to touch anybody. <clears throat> now, also, now, now I, want all, I want all you kids to listen to me. How many kids do we have in here? we have any children in here? Yeah, we got children. How many teens do we have in here tonight? All right, now listen to me. And now how many adults we've got? So this is for everybody. After you've been prayed for, thank Jesus. 
You know, and I've been doing this lately. When people are coming up to me, because the Holy Ghost said, you know, they're not thanking me. They're, you're no better than the, than the ten lepers who came to Jesus to be healed. Not, only one of them thanked Jesus. Nine of them just walked away. Only one of them thanked Jesus. So I'm thinking, that's not right. We've got to thank Jesus. So, you know, when somebody comes up to my prayer line and I pray for them, you know, and they're done praying for them, instead of me letting them walk away, I'll say, whoa. Sometimes I'll grab them. I said, you thank Jesus. They'll say, thank you to me. I'll say, don't thank me. Thank Jesus. I'll say, thank you, Jesus. You know, let's thank him. Let's be grateful. Let's be thankful for what he's doing for us, okay? Now, this is something that I see all the time in the back, 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 in the back. This is something I see all the time in the back. Sorry for calling you out, but you're a perfect example. When others are being prayed for, is not the time for you to horse around in the church it's not the time for you to be laughing and giggling with those standing beside you or horsing around in the back. Because this is a very reverent time. It's a life-changing time for some people. You know, you don't realize that sometimes somebody will come into church as a last resort. I'm giving God one chance. If I don't get something from this church service, I'm going home and I'm going to kill myself. It happened to us in Indiana. Yep. Girl went home from one of our services, killed herself, 17 years old. It's very, very real. I, can't, I cannot say this enough. You must be very, very reverent. If it's you up here wanting prayer or someone that you love that's up here needing prayer, you wouldn't want to grieve the Holy Ghost by what he was doing for that purpose in that person. The Holy Ghost does get grieved. I remember one time in Indiana, Brother Copeland came. He used to come every September, and I'd go to those meetings downtown Indianapolis. Oh, I was like, me and my friends, we were like the first in the door, you know. We were there like an hour or two before they even opened the doors. And uh, people were doing exactly what I said. Yeah, people were eating popcorn, drinking Cokes, laughing, carrying on. When the, when the service, the ministry was going on, the Holy, you know, the, the, the Lord was moving in the service, the Holy Ghost left. The Holy Ghost left. See, if we grieve the Holy Ghost by our actions when he's doing something, the Holy Ghost will leave. The Holy Ghost left that service. Brother Copeland was mad. And he said, I'll never come back to Indianapolis again. And he never has. And that was back in 1982, 81. He's never gone back to Indianapolis again. We don't want to be, we don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost because it's a precious thing when he comes in. Amen. We don't want to grieve him. 
you know. We don't want them to say, well, they don't want me here, I'll leave. We don't want that because we want you to be able to receive from the Lord all that you need to receive from the Lord. And you don't want to be the one that grieves the Holy Ghost. So I'm saying this to everybody, but young people, I've noticed it, especially among the young people when I'm up here in the, the prayer line, if your friend next to you, and we're having the altar call, and this is for adults too, if your friend next to you wants to start talking to you when the prayer line's going on, say, I can't talk right now. Let's pay attention to what the Lord's doing. You can sing along with, with Josh, or you can extend your hand to the person being, people being prayed for and praying in tongues, you know, praying the Holy Ghost, release your faith for these people that are up here. But whatever you do, be reverent, okay? Say, I'm going to be reverent. Did you all say it? I'm going to be reverent. Okay. Let's see what else have I got down here. Okay. When the the Holy Ghost shows up like he did on Wednesday night, he shows up to demonstrate. He didn't want pastor talking about it. He wanted to demonstrate it himself. He wanted to demonstrate, and he will show off. The Holy Ghost likes to show off. He's like a woman with a new hat, you know, or, or Sabrina with her new boots, you know, something like that. No, I, mean, I don't want to be a reverend Holy Ghost, but, you know, he likes to show off. He likes to say, watch this. And he does amazing things. So, anyway, he likes to do that. So, remain fearfully reverent. Cooperate with any directions the pastor gives. There will be a glory cloud. Sometimes you can see it, sometimes you can't. If Pastor invites you to come up, say anybody who wants to come up here, I don't know why everybody that night didn't come up here. I mean, because I'm telling you what, I mean, who wants to miss a touch from the Holy Ghost, you know? Stand in the area he tells you to, or or the ushers direct you to stand. Um, This is for the staff, especially the ushers, especially Pastor Josh back here on the praise team. You need to keep your eyes on the pastor all the time. And, and Josh, like when, when, you, when you've got your eyes on him, on the pastor, it doesn't matter who, you know, whoever's ministering up here, if you've got your eyes on them, you would have noticed immediately, if you watch that video, you would have noticed immediately something was happening with him. It wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't physically ill. The Holy Ghost hit him. If you were watching him, you would have known it. Ushers come to attention immediately. Josh, hit the keyboard now, you know. Watch him. If you see that happen, don't be invited. Wait till you're invited. Just go. Because you know that, man, this is happening, you know. And we've got to be really in tune with what the Holy Ghost is doing, you know. Because we need to be, run like a, a fine run machine. You know, congregation, obey what the ushers tell you to do. I'll talk about some of this later. Don't move around. Don't talk. Don't disrupt. Stay reverently focused on what the Lord is doing. Worship the Lord. Thank Him. Pray in tongues, you know. The Holy Ghost will manifest Himself in different ways. Wednesday night's manifestation included this. As I said a minute ago, He was not able to talk. He was having trouble standing because the power of God hit Him. The glory cloud came in. People got slain in the Spirit. 
she got holy laughter. I don't know if anybody else did or not. But, huh? Yeah, Melissa did, yeah. I mean, when the, when the Holy Ghost hits you, you know it, you know. So anyway, that's all I've got for tonight. What? Okay, ushers. When people are slain in the Spirit, don't be quick to pick them up. Leave them there. Because God's doing a work, you know. He's doing like Holy Ghost surgery or something down there, and you don't want to interrupt what he's doing. Okay? So anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Holy Ghost showing up, you know. And if we're, we expect him to show up, if we're open and willing for him to show up, then he'll show up. So I hope you, I hope you learned something about the local church tonight, about what God gifted the local church to do, about how this church is run with the, with the, the board, blah, 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 about the family, how God calls the family, and a little bit about cooperating when the Holy Ghost comes in. So again, if you haven't seen that Wednesday night service, man, you better watch that sucker. That was super good. Amen. Who am I turning this over to? Pastor Dave? Come on, Pastor Dave. It's your turn. Amen. Well, that, what a good night to receive and uh, just be taught some things uh, from the Word of God there. I'm just uh, so happy we were able to cover a lot of that. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to go ahead and have a time of prayer here for a few minutes. If you need prayer for anything tonight, if you came um, in need of prayer, mom, your mic's on. <laughs> uh, if you need prayer for anything, uh, we want to go ahead and give you that opportunity. So I'm going to have uh, Josh lead us in some worship for a few minutes with our prayer team. And and hey, if you don't have a you know a need right now, just do like they were just talking about. Let's worship God, and you can pray right where you're at, and uh, and just let God have a few minutes here with our complete attention. Amen. All right, go ahead, Josh, and lead us. Holy, holy, holy. Jesus, I love you. Nothing like your love. And 
Jesus, there is nothing like your love. And I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. Jesus, there is nothing like your love. There is nothing like your love. All right, hallelujah. Praise God. Well, who received tonight? Amen. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And, and you know, like my mom was saying, hey, you can always go back and look at any of the services online on YouTube or Facebook or the podcast if you're just listening. But praise God, uh, we are blessed to have the wonderful church family that we do have. And I'm so grateful for everybody uh, that God has sent to be a part of this this family together. And you're the best in the world. And I mean that with all my heart. You guys are the best church family that we could ever ask for. Amen. Well, hey, remember that uh, we have a Wednesday night service coming up. And also all young wives and moms. Saturday is the uh, young wives and moms uh, breakfast brunch at Jenny's. So make sure you take advantage of that. It's going to be awesome. And membership class is next Sunday. So, uh, you know, if you didn't get signed up, let's go ahead and do that. All right. Uh, let's pray, and then we are going to do our Barstow Faith Confession tonight and speak some words over Barstow. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the work that you've done today, this morning and tonight, and we thank you that we get to be a part of it and receive your word. Help us, God, to apply the word and be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, and I thank you for healing over every person that's a part of this church, over every family, anybody that needs healing in their body right now. We 
thank you, Jesus, by your stripes and wounds, they are healed 100% in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that we're just moving forward with the rest of this year, the best year we've ever had yet. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? Amen. All right. We're going to go ahead and do our Barstow Faith Confession. I haven't had James. This Look at this guy. I mean, he's a... Uh, he, He's the OG when it comes to this. You, all right, I haven't had you do it for a while, so can you handle it? You got this? You didn't get rusty, did you? Oh, all right, all right. He's. <laughs> I love this guy. Okay, go ahead. As we bring the, we de- oh, <laughs> we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is safe. In Jesus' name, amen.